have your Bibles with you, I would invite you this evening to turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 19. It's the very end of your Bible. There's just a few more chapters after 19. That will be our text this evening as we look at this chapter. We'll be a bit abbreviated this evening. But I would like us to look at a few things in this text. And so... If you would please give attention to the reading of the holy word of the one true living God. Revelation chapter 19. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For his judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne, saying, Amen! Hallelujah. And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come, gather for the great supper of God, to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, 
the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered together to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet, who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. These true were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. And the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse. And all the birds were gorged with their flesh. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray for his blessing upon it. Heavenly Father, Lord, meet with us this evening. Remind us, O Lord, of the greatness of Jesus Christ, that we might know Him, serve Him, be with Him forever. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. We are coming near to the conclusion of the book of Revelation. You may recall that when we started out on this journey, I said that the main theme of the book of Revelation is the answer to the end of history. God wins. And that's what we're seeing here. We're seeing here a portrait of the Lord Jesus Christ as the victor. When all things are consummated and all enemies are placed under His feet, even as as has been promised since the times of the Old Testament. And this is a full portrait of who Jesus is and will be for all eternity. I'd like us to just look at this in three brief glimpses. First, we see Jesus as the Lord. Second, we see Him as the Bridegroom. And then third, we see Him as the Warrior. The Lord, the Bridegroom, and the Warrior. It's an important thing to see the Lord Jesus Christ this way in a biblical fashion because we are often tempted to place Jesus in our image or what we think He should be, how He would act and what His motivations would be. But first, let's take a look then at Jesus Christ as the Lord. And this begins here in verse 1 of chapter 19. There is a great multitude of heaven crying out, now because of the destruction of the great enemy world system, Babylon. You recall we looked at this in chapter 17 and chapter 18. And now the Lord has put down that world system that seeks to supplant the rule of Jesus Christ, that seeks to reach up to heaven, to be man-centered in all that it is. And so this is a great destruction that is seen and there is a universal praise for the victor, for the Lord Himself, as a great multitude cries out. As we see the Lord as He truly is, the One who is glorious. And He is the One that we see in verse 1 who holds salvation, glory, and power in His hand. This is a good reminder to us. Now, we may take this for granted, but we must understand, we must know, and we must share with others that salvation belongs to God. 
It is not ours to dispense out. It is not ours to decide if we will take it or not. It is the possession of the Lord God. He gives salvation to whom He will. He is the one in authority. And this one who holds salvation in His hand is then praised as the judge of all. Many commentators have described the first five verses of Revelation 19 in an interesting way. They say that this is the original Hallelujah Chorus. Because we see it over and over again. Now, we take that word for granted, don't we? Hallelujah. It's even used out and about in the world in a completely ungodly context. But what is hallelujah? It is, quite simply, a Hebrew word, just said as English, that means praise the Lord, praise Jehovah. It's similar in that sense to the word baptism, which is just a Greek word that we say in English. And so, over and over again, now, the people of God... Sing or praise the Lord with hallelujah. Now again, because this is so well known, we may not understand or realize that this, at the very end of the New Testament, is the very first time hallelujah is used in the New Testament. It is seen throughout the Psalms, but nowhere else except for here is it used in the New Testament. And there are several choruses, if you will, of this hallelujah chorus. First, we see in verse 1, Hallelujah, because the judgments of the Lord are true and just. He has judged the great prostitute, and He has avenged on her the blood of His servants. The first praise of the Lord, that He is righteous in all He does and in His judgment. Now, this, I think, is easy for us to say amen to when we think about it in this context of the blood of the saints being avenged upon the wicked. But do we think about the Lord as being righteous in all of His judgments in our own lives and circumstances? When someone close to us dies, when we lose a job, when a home burns down, when a car is wrecked, Do we think of the Lord as being righteous in all that He does? But, you see, we must, because that is who the Lord is. If we take that away from our mind and our hearts, we lessen who God is to us. God is righteous in all that He does. And if He is righteous, then His vengeance is pure. That is why we can rest in the grace of God now. Have you ever wondered why, if you've seen someone so gripped by the grace of God, that they respond to attacks from others with a peaceable spirit? You've wondered to yourself, how can they do that? How could I couldn't? I would be angry. I would be screaming and yelling. How do they respond to unjust attacks like that? Well, you see, the only way that a Christian can respond to injustice in the world is to know that God will make all things right. That God will stamp out His enemies. That God will declare righteousness in all that He does. That God will bring justice to this world. And this is a comfort to us 
in the here and the now. It's not up to us to get justice. It's not up to us to make everything fair. Maybe you've had this experience with your children. It seems that whether it's a chore or a vacation or food, everything has to be absolutely perfectly fair. And if it isn't, then the cries come out. But it's not fair. It's not even. It's not equal. And you see, if we're not careful, we fall prey to the same sentiment with God. We expect everything to be exactly as we think it should be, to be fair. But God is righteous. The second hallelujah that comes out is in verse 3. The smoke from Babylon goes up forever and ever. And this is praise for the judge of all, for the finality of his judgment. There will be no rise again of the enemy of God. There is no villain to be dealt with at another point. This is an eternal judgment. The enemies of God are put down forever. The smoke that rises up is testimony to God's work on behalf of His people and His church. The third praise comes, here we see, in verse 4. Amen! Hallelujah! And then a response. Praise our God, all you servants, you who fear Him, small and great. You see, God alone is the one to be worshipped. He alone is the one who deserves our praise. And the hallelujah makes this clear to us. This is the Lord. He is the one worthy of our praise. But then we see the Lord Jesus Christ set forth as the bridegroom, the one who marries his bride, the church. We see it here in Verse 9, And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Now, this is the moment that we have been waiting for. This is the moment of consummation. And we see it, it is something that has now taken place in time. In verse 6, we see, The Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. But This is a bit deceptive in the way that it is described. It is not that God just reigns now and forever and ever. It is the the commencement of His royal reign, of the reign without any resistance. He has taken to Himself a bride. Now is the time for a rule without rival. Now is the time for joy. Now is the time to glorify God. And you'll notice that this is important because rather than looking back toward the defeat of the beast, looking back to the defeat of Satan, John and the angel put a forward picture in front of us. Not looking back to a time of war and trouble, but looking forward to a time of blessing and a marriage feast. The bride is made ready. She has made herself ready and she is ready for action. But yet at the same time we see that it was granted to her to wear the clothes in verse 8. It was granted to her to clothe herself with the fine linen that is bright and pure. It is by God's grace that the bride is arrayed. But at the same time that grace takes place in a very meaningful way. In a very practical way. Because this fine linen is the righteous deeds 
of the saints. If we think about it, the entire ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ is preparation for this day. All that He did is preparation for this wedding feast. His work in life, His work on the cross. Have you ever wondered why the very first thing that Jesus did that's recorded is that He went to a wedding? You see, all of Jesus' life is preparing to gather to Himself a people and to possess them forever. It's something that we remind ourselves of continually when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We look forward to that day when we will be with Jesus forever. That should be a great encouragement to you. That this world and all of its challenges and all of its sorrows is not the focus. This is but the foyer, the front porch as it were to the home that we will live in. Jesus is indeed the Lord. He is indeed the bridegroom. But He is also, and we need to remember this, a warrior. Look at verse 11. Heaven opens and a white horse comes out, and one sitting on it who is called faithful and true, and in righteousness He judges and makes war. And at this point, He makes war upon all of the Lord's enemies. And they all begin now to go off the stage of history. They go off in the stage, they go off the stage in the reverse order that they have come on. So just as first it was Satan, and then it was the beast, and then it was the false prophet, and then it was the harlot. Now they start to go off the stage in reverse order. The harlot is destroyed, the beast and the false prophet are cast into the pit. And next week we will see in in chapter 20 that Satan himself is cast into hell. Now this is the Jesus that we don't want to think about, the Jesus who is pure, who carries a sword, who is a victorious warrior, but this is the Jesus we need, isn't it? This is the Jesus who defends us who defeats our enemies, who reigns and rules over us. He is a powerful warrior, and the image here is shocking to us. His robe is dipped in blood. It is the blood of his enemies as he tramples them under feet. He rules with a rod of iron, which is reminiscent of that famous passage in Psalm 2. Jesus Christ has put down all his enemies. And it is from there that peace ensues. Because death itself is conquered by King Jesus. He is a warrior for you, for me. Because of that, we can rest and hope in Him. He is sure of the victory. He sees everything. He rules over everything. And His name is faithful and true. As you face life's challenges this week, no matter what they are, Know that Jesus Christ is a warrior. That Jesus Christ is the bridegroom that waits for you. That Jesus Christ is the Lord of all, worthy of your praise. As you gaze upon Jesus in this way, all of the problems and challenges we have are put in the proper perspective. Let's pray. Heavenly Father,
Lord, we thank you that you have given to us this word that speaks of the greatness of King Jesus. We ask, O Lord, that this evening that you would shine upon us, that you would lighten our hearts, that we might seek after you, that we might follow you, hear your voice, and obey. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.